potato, potato. Yeah, this is your first time with the headphones on. How does it feel different? I don't like it. Why don't you like it? I can hear myself. <laughs> I don't sound very rich and booming. I think you just sound how you are. Oh, is it? <laughs> is it? How do we start the show? Hello and welcome to Refigure, a podcast about the arts, diversity and culture. I'm Christopher. And I'm Reefer. On tonight's show, we are, or today's show, we are on today's show. <laughs> on this week's show. <laughs> on this week's show, we watched the third series of Norwegian weirdo historic comedy series like spoof vikings blood and thunder comedy series norsemen out on netflix and we also watched the new film how to build a girl based on caitlin moran's uh, memoir about growing up in working class wolverhampton and then becoming a music critic which has been made into a movie starring beanie feldstein that's on amazon prime how are you reefer my lovely person very well thank you i've had quite a busy week actually people are contacting me for diversity consultancy i suppose you can call it and i've been chatting to quite a lot of people in my network about all kinds of interesting things to do with black lives matter and what that means for people in brighton how are you yeah i'm doing all right also began to get going this week in a way that felt different really did feel like For example, I went to an actual coffee shop for a meeting this week and it felt partly a little bit daunting, but then suddenly just felt like life was back to normal. There are only like between one and five cases a day at the moment in Brighton. And yeah, so it feels also have to say, I know a lot of people have had difficult experiences with idiots refusing to wear masks, but I've noticed a good, like the majority of people in shops are wearing masks and are sort of obeying all the rules in the, maybe it's because we go to quite small shops in a, we're kind of fortunate in the kind of area we live in. It's very hard for cafe owners and shopkeepers to police this stuff though, you know, like I noticed when we went to that cafe, it says on a little sign, one person at a time. But if you've got kids and you just walk it, you know, that people weren't really doing that. But then no one wants to be the one that goes, uh, excuse me, you're in the way. Or even when we went into the Hare and Hounds pub, it says quite clearly on the wall, one person at a time in the blue area. And I had to be like, no, it's one person at a time. And you have to be quite confident to do that with yeah. people. So and if it's your space, you're not necessarily going to be wandering around telling people off. It's not really the vibe of the of the pub or the cafe, is it? So that's the thing that, as British people, we find difficult to tell people. Uh, excuse me. How do you suddenly ask someone whose job is to be a cashier to suddenly also be a kind of police officer? Let's talk about Norseman first. All right, you explain it. You tell us all about it. Well, Norseman's really cool. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> Norseman is this Norwegian show. <laughs> I spat my tea out. <laughs> it's a kind of slightly Taiko Waititi-ish uh, dry comedy spoofing shows like Vikings and The Last Kingdom and maybe to an extent it's spoofing Game of Thrones as well. From now on you're going to join us in battle. You're going to plunder. You're going to mutilate. 
No, no, you, you can't make me. You're saying it's my life. I won't do it. I hate you. We're gonna find you a wife that can make a man out of you. No. Is that an important message you have there, little raven? That's a chicken. It's shot in both English and Norwegian, so they film it twice. They film every scene twice, and we get to see the English language version. And it's set in the Viking era, so in maybe the 5th or 6th century. It's a lot of it filmed in the open air in kind of campment villages, and it looks quite real and rugged, and the violence in it is very brutal and bloody. It's kind of a harsh show. It ran for two series. We enjoyed both the two series, but now it's come back for a third series, and slightly unexpectedly, that's entirely a prequel. So we started watching the third series, and it felt like a flashback, and then the entire thing was that. Um, what did you think of uh, Norse Men Reefer? It's a really ticks Chris's boxes because he likes watching Viking things. I think he he likes though. I don't know. I don't know why. But the running gag is that they are all super polite. So although they do a lot of marauding and um, pillaging and all the usual things that you expect from Vikings, they are super polite and and sort of explain to each other in ways that, you know, are very um, compassionate to each other as well. Like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I don't think that's the case you know <laughs> and then they sort of stab someone in the eye <laughs> straight after or um in this series they had a bit of magic in there as well and it was so brilliantly done with uh, this whole sort of running gag about they're going into battle and they have to go and find this dragon and that's going to be someone's secret weapon and uh how none of them sort of really believe that there's a dragon at all anyway i won't spoil it for you but it was it's just a funny kind of silly thing i really like the the female characters in it as well they are got some great lines and who are um mischievous women who do manipulative things um <laughs> and they also have a woman who's a warrior as well but she has to sort of part with uh, a really inept husband and uh, yeah it's it's a cracking laugh out loud comedy with a lot of slapstick in it as well one thing i really love about norsemen is stupidity and how this kind of separation of morality and stupidity so being stupid doesn't make you evil but being stupid is really funny and there are some really stupid characters who are still some of the sort of better intended characters who want to act in a good way but they're just really thick and then some of the really evil characters are clever and vice versa like there's no connection between who's clever and who's good or evil and there are a couple of evil characters who are like pantomime, really evil. In the first two seasons, that wasn't particularly explained. But because they've done this unique thing of backstorying everything for the third season. So I think they did that because at the end of season two, they killed a lot of the best characters. And maybe they didn't realise how successful Norsemen was around the world. And so they've come back to make a third season and suddenly they're stuck with we don't want to lose all these characters that people love so let's make a prequel to bring back some of those characters which is fine but also they've created quite a good backstory for some of the people who are face meltingly evil I mean it's not realistic and I'm not trying to say it's convincing in a real reality way but it does hold to its internal logic I suppose the historical stuff is right as well isn't it because there's a time when they just discovered that there's an island to the west a country to the west which happens to be 
this country that I've heard of called England. All the way through the first two seasons, there's this running plot line about a map to a beautiful country that's full of treasure and stupid pacifists who are really easy to raid. That was just the on-running underlying thing. And now we know through season three where that map must have come from because some of our heroes set off to England. There's a loser character in it called Ulm, who is just the most skankiest loser idiot. But he's just got just enough sneak to him to have survived. And he's utterly pathetic. I mean, there are some troubling uses of enslaved people, but it's it's hard to sort of get annoyed about that because A, it's clearly based on a sort of set of truths about Nordic life at that time. And B, the show's got a kind of just a wry, dry, gentle... Uh, well, Should I not are, get into it? You think no, I shouldn't get into some, it at all? There are some problematic things yeah. in it. Like there's a whole bit where the woman is saying something like, I want to be a warrior. And they're going, you can't really be a warrior because a lot of what we do is raping. And then she sort of... <laughs> You've just made me laugh at the word. And then she sort of demonstrates how she can maraud and, and assault men as well. That is super problematic. <laughs> it's so problematic, and then you mention it, and I'm just remembering it, and it's really. And funny. then I don't know. It's a, it's um, compared to like Game of Thrones. At least this ma- this program makes me laugh out loud. And if there is pillaging and all sorts of other stuff, it's done in such a bizarre way that you kind of like, I don't know. They do not make a mockery of sexual violence in a way that Game of Thrones shows sexual violence in an exploitative manner. Norsemen does not show sexual violence in an exploitative manner, but it does tell jokes that are predicated on this kind of idea of that it's complete normal. Once you've created a setup where all the Vikings are really polite, but what they still do is Viking sort of things, you're stuck with a particular set of jokes that can feel very problematic. But I think they handle that really well. I wouldn't watch it if you're vegetarian either. Oh, yeah, no, they eat loads of things. Anyway, it's called... Norseman, and it's currently on Netflix. It's yes, on the BBC Netflix. as well. Okay. So, much beloved British writer Caitlin Moran, who came out of music criticism in the 90s but has expanded to be a kind of popular feminist, uh, memoirist, and thinker generally and a general excellent writer um she told her life story was it called um how to be a woman that was her memoir and then how to build a girl was a novel sort of based on her own right it is confusing between memoir and novel but they have made a film called how to build a girl which is a film of her fictionalized memoir or her novel that's loosely based on her own life when I was your age, you either became a boxer, footballer, or a pop star. I'm going to be a writer. For starters, I'm going to be a rock critic. I have an interview for the job. I'm Johanna Morrigan. <laughs> then I'm going to totally transform myself for £9.48. Good God, it's a child catcher. Nice one, babe. And then there's the arrival of the beautiful boy. Tell me about you. I went on a plane today for the first time. Is this turbulence? We haven't taken off yet. (gasps) The lead character, who is played by Beanie Feldstein, has a different name, 
but grows up in very similar circumstances to Caitlin Moran. And then the whole plot line of this is a very young, precocious woman, she's 16, who is in very difficult circumstances living in a working class, almost slightly parodied, but anyway, a uh, working class environment. She goes off to try and make it as a, a writer, as a music writer. It's directed by Koki Gelroik, Paddy Considine's in it, and Alfie Allen plays quite a major role as well. We both, I think we both really wanted to love this film a lot and we went in quite kind of up for it, liking everyone involved. What did you think of it? And you, it's you good just that got you to let hear, me, though. I'm going to have a rant about this film. It's a big fat no from me. I don't know who this film is aimed at because if you're a parent who loved the 90s indie scene, you couldn't watch this with your kids. Certainly not with your teenage girls. It's deeply cynical and it's a really nasty little film. I don't like it. Wow. Um, Yes, probably those men that she worked with were a bit like that, but the main character is so mean and disconnected from reality, it feels like the director must have really disliked or even misunderstood the book. I haven't read the book, but I've read her other stuff, you know. I feel like it was a real betrayal of what Caitlin Moran stands for, the relationship between her dad and the girl. I mean, the girl is played too old anyway. She's like 27 in real life and she's supposed to be playing the 16 year old. It isn't affectionate or believable. It's like she's just, they never they never hug or touch each other or anything to do with this family at all. The only grown up women characters are played very unsympathetically. Her mum is portrayed as this victim the English teacher who presumably was a big inspiration but it's played deeply uninspiring um, it feels like for me I felt like it had been directed by a man or hates women the first scenes are supposed to be a teenage girl perving over men so we get scenes of boys in speedos and then and later completely unnecessarily hot tub scenes all the male journalists are like ridiculously hot just walking around at this pool party where the main character is humiliated again again and again she's totally humiliated we see her throughout the film like we see her put stuff to do with her period we see her like getting booed at award ceremony she's losing all the way through even her wall of heroes which was like the most interesting fun bit of the whole film where all these stars are playing inspiring people but even that's like a male fantasy of what women think and do like the gay brother gets the funny arch lines and everyone else like mumbles through it (laughs) like there's the family there's no love compassion or affection there's no real storyline her as a teenager in a hotel room with a pop star is played romantic and not deeply disturbing her shouting at her parents for help or self-harming or some of the class issues or the gender issues aren't really addressed or even talked about properly. When you've got real teens playing teenagers in like sweet teen films, like some of the stuff that we've talked about on this show, like To All The Boys I've Loved Before, even goofy romantic films that address class, like Always Be My Maybe, right? You don't, even girls, right? You just like, it's like none of those things that ever happened. It's like this kind of pastiche. This film is based on a real era that I'm nostalgic about. We are, my generation are so happy 
to bang on about in the 90s, the gigs, the parties, the music. It's such a horrible portrayal of that time that it left me feeling embarrassed, gut-wrenchingly disappointed and just betrayed. You know, Jamila Jamil, Sue Perkins, Lily and Alfie Allen, Emma Bloody Thompson pop up in this film. And that's a freaking massive shame because this film is for no one. There's another disturbing montage of her bragging to her brother about her sexual partners that's played in an unpleasant way. She's a teenager getting exploited by men, but it's played for laughs in this Benny Hill type of way. We never see her succeeding or being supported. The TV appearance that happens right at the beginning goes horribly wrong. The award she wins is a horrible, awful moment. She never gets her man if this is supposed to be some sort of rom-com no one touches or comforts her so the end scene seems to be talking to other teenagers about girl power and being yourself it's so trite it's insulting to all women i think this is a dangerous film showing how a lonely girl who has no support at home has predatory men all around her no friends you know her brother's basically just like tries his best but this film literally takes the piss out of suicide depression self-harm let alone class what on earth does the dad ranting about the happy mondays of 10 minutes at the beginning at their height were one of the feel-good bands of the 90s who is it even aimed at do you know what i mean that bit at the beginning just sets the tone for the whole film it's like horrible and nasty and if you want to tell your kids how fun the 90s were before they weren't allowed out or had mobile phones and their you know, family checking up on them, and there wasn't even the internet properly, you can watch 24-hour party people instead. What did you think of it? I agree with everything you're saying. I had found it very disappointing. And I did share that slight sense at the end of almost, this is make me embarrassed of the music that I most loved growing up with. But then because I'm a bloke, I sort of almost put that down to, oh, well, it's, that's maybe its job to shame me. But it isn't about that. You're completely right. The Happy Mondays, if nothing else, were a brilliant working class party band. And they were also disruptive, like insurrectionist. That guy, that character, would not have been despising them on the TV. I mean, that was the first bit. So that's the kind of cultural missteps that are being made in this film by a team that don't know the stuff they're talking about. I was a bloke watching a film directed by a woman, written by a woman, starring a woman. So I'm holding back all these feelings. But you're completely right. It doesn't matter that the woman's a director. That film is full of the male gaze, even as it tries to sort of... They get kind of slapped on the wrist for absolutely appalling behaviour, whereas she gets punished for things that aren't even her fault. There's a really interesting later scene where she has raised enough money to buy her dad a new van. He gets a new van, and a few scenes later we discover that he's sold it for his music career, which is a completely pathetic, disastrous music career, and she gets told off for having bought him the van. It's like it's her fault that he's sold the van it's somehow blamed on her that he sold the van for music and there is never any acknowledgement of that in the film in fact that's passed over really quickly and then she goes off and has to pay penitence for other things it feels like a boys will be boys film so what i think your clarity on it has made me more annoyed about it 
apart from there are like two or three scenes where you think that's beautifully written that's brilliant now I say that I can't remember one of them to quote at you but is it a film about Britain for Americans or is it just trying to be authentic because they waste so much time trying to be really authentic like there's these big promotional stories about how Beanie spent weeks working in a shop in Wolverhampton in order to get the Wolverhampton accent right and learn the kind of environment that she was doing all this kind of authenticity nonsense when she doesn't even really nail it I mean she gets it right most of the time but is that even necessary if you're then going to make it's a total waste of the person who made this film has no idea about music given that Caitlin Moran wrote the film and she is an iconic music critic that is a disaster yeah there's a whole these sorts of films that make us nostalgic for the era are based around the soundtrack you know you could have had so many different things going on in this i mean i'm sure there's elements of truth to some of this stuff but i mean i don't know the point of this film and i feel annoyed that i even wasted my time on it i I really can't even be able to talk about it anymore i find it repellent what you're reading for if you're gonna do a nostalgic piece it's got to have some sweetheart to it it's got to be authentic in the way that you want it to be like the people were really real in that you know like when what's his name he lives up the road what's his name that played the bloke pricey simon price <laughs> no in 24 hour party people oh alan partridge i mean steve coogan <laughs> steve coogan is playing a real person he was really there at the time he's warm to these to this story that they're telling about the record label and the factory records and the happy mondays right so if you're gonna do a piece like this what's the point of that you know did she really have a terrible time i mean or if she had a terrible time then don't make it a comedy (laughs) what are you reading for what are you reading for what are you reading for what are you reading reefer so i have recently joined a book club in the cutie pop radical rhizomes in brighton and we have just started on our first book called signet by susan butler but it's spelt season s-e-a-s-o-n butler and the cover of it is really nice look it's all shiny i've put it on the internet but um it's a story of loneliness about a 17 year old girl whose parents are musicians who leave her with her grandmother on an isolated island off the coast of New Hampshire. It's a young adult book and um, I'm really enjoying it. She's a new voice and um, she is, um, I met her when she, um, she was in London now, but she's from San Francisco and uh, I met her on one of these um, events called Black Joy Sessions last year. And uh, I think she's a real talent and it's a very different voice. It's all in the first person. There's a bit of magic realism in there as well. The, the, the house that she's living in is on the edge of a cliff and it's falling into the sea. But because it's from her voice, you get this kind of stream of consciousness. Anyway, I can't put it down. It's a very compelling read. <laughs> you just be completely distracted while I said all of that and stuff. It's called Signet by Susan Butler. But she's pronounced Susan, right? Yeah, but if you saw it in the shop, you would say you would think that's a season. Yeah. Um, what are you reading? A friend of ours called Kate Bullpit. Um, we've known Kate for many years now. And pretty much the whole time we've known her, she's been working on a novel to the point that it became one of those things you don't really believe is 
real. Oh, I don't mean it in a rude way, but I just... It, it only took us seven years to write this. Kate did uh, Unbound, did crowdfunding, finished the book, and it's a novel called Purple People. And she actually finished it and it exists, and it's really fun. It's a kind of like upbeat perky, where I would describe it as. At the same time, it's a dystopic sci-fi crime novel about a kind of a plot to die, as in die, colour die, anyone that's committed crimes purple. So suddenly all these purple people start popping up, which is a brilliant high concept for a novel. I'm about a third of the way through it. Now, I read an early version of this before it was published. In fact, I read it about 18 months ago, I think. And uh, it has changed a bit. Um, It's really good fun. I haven't finished it yet. And it's out on Unbound. I don't know how you find Unbound books. Maybe you go to unbound.com and uh, type in Kate Bullpit. David Quantic described it as that rare thing, a warm-hearted satire, which is exactly right. It manages to be quite kind of cynical and biting about its sci-fi idea, but still set it in a really, like it's in the modern world rather than in some sort of futuristic world. And it has a kind of quirky, offbeat heart to it. So that's Purple People by Kate Bullpit. She's really cool. She's a nice person as well. Look out for it. She's not going to like this episode because she's a massive Kaylee Moran fan. Oh, that's Forgive a really good me, point. Kate. Forgive me. Uh, that's our show. Wow, we really didn't like something. I know, and that happens quite rarely. And we usually, one of us will love something. Well, the irony being that one of the subtexts of that film is that people only really like critics' work when critics slag something off. And one of the reasons that Mark Kermo was quite positive about the film was that he was saying, I mean, he's addressed this before in books that. When he's a critic, his positive reviews don't get a tenth of the traction of his negative reviews, and that's true, like, online, if you look up Mark Kermo, the stuff he's best known for is when he slags stuff off. So what you'll probably find is now, because you've been so fearsomely negative about this, that that's the thing about the show that people will remember, rather than when we're nice about things. Which proves Caitlin Moran's point, I guess. I've finished now. See you all next week. Follow us on Facebook at ReFigurePod, on Twitter at ReFigurePod, and on Instagram at ReFigureUK. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. I think we're going to do this is episode 12 of this season, and obviously lockdown is. Reef is doing a massive yawn. Lockdown is loosening now, so what we'll probably do is do maybe three more and then finish the series on episode 15. And then come back in the new year or just before Christmas or something. Never mind the social media, just subscribe to this podcast. Oh yeah, please subscribe and tell your friends because, you know, we're really fun. We don't have a PR department. See you next week. Bye-bye. Love you lots. Bye.